0: Hello, Fabulous friends, fans, and superstars. Welcome to Synchronicity Web TV. I am your host, Nadia Shaw, and this is your moment of Synchronicity. Well, I'm so excited to celebrate with you today, the great Rick Levine, my friend Rick Levine. And it is Rick Levine, who I have interviewed a few times and so fortunate to have here again on Synchronicity Web TV And it is also Rick Levine who is going to be at the one and only Canadian Astrology Conference, taking place the weekend of the 15th of September in Calgary, Alberta. You can join us in person, you can join us online, but he is the very special international guest coming north of the border uh, as part of this very special event. And I know he doesn't really need any introduction. Uh, So many people who watch me, tell me that they watch him. And that to me is just the highest compliment of all. So Rick, welcome. Thank you for being here.
1: So you may get to say, and I am your host, Nadia Shaw, but I get to say, and I am Nadia's guest, Rick Levine.
0: Oh, that's so perfect. Well, you just said it. I am Nadia Shaw and you are the guest, Rick Levine, the great Rick Levine. Now,
1: Wait I, wait you know, and before we go on okay. yes, and I'm yes. not taking over I am the guest and you are the hostess um but you mentioned the Canadian conference and yes. I just wanted to show you what I'm drinking my coffee out of oh wow this this is from um actually I think this is from sometime in the mid 90s although it says that the Edmonton Astrological Society was started in 1977 and i'm thinking that that was probably from the late great chris mccrae absolutely um, but um but it this won't be my first uh, rodeo in in canada just...
0: <laughs> that's wonderful and of course chris mccrae is a legend in astrology she passed away just a couple of years ago um but certainly she put edmonton on the map she got a lot of people out there uh into edmonton brought a lot of guests and uh, that tradition is continuing out there as well with that strong.
1: Right, and for those people community. who are far away and don't realize that the upcoming conference in September in Calgary, that Calgary and Edmonton are are really like next door neighbors. I mean, you, you just you know you drive over the line, so to speak. It's like I grew up or I spent um, a decade in Minneapolis. And, you know, in Minneapolis and St. Paul may be two different cities and they are, they have a different consciousness and so on, like Calgary and uh, uh, Edmonton, but they're, but they're right next door. They're like, it's like you you go back and forth anyhow.
0: Yeah, I guess it's like New York City and Long Island in a way, right? They're that close. Am I right? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, actually part of New York City uh queens for example is on long island so anyhow uh,
0: okay learn something new
1: (laughs) great to be here what are we talking about
0: we're talking about anything and everything uh we are enjoying ourselves just before we turned on the camera we were having a conversation and we said okay let's stop let's just uh start talking about something anything
1: Yeah, but do you remember Uh, what we were talking about because i I don't don't.
0: remember actually i'm sitting here in the back (laughs) of my head Try to remember oh, I th- what it
1: was. I, th- I think you asked if I made intentions before before the uh, recording.
0: Yes. Like, right, and
1: say? and well, I and Aries is a cardinal fire sign. You know, uh, people sometimes astrologers, when asked, most astrologers, when asked, so what's the most intuitive sign? Most of them will say Pisces. I mean, not everybody, but that's that's often an answer. Um, Jung made it very very clear that intuition was a fire energy, not a water energy, psychism, recept, you know, being psychic, receiving is definitely water, but fire doesn't think about what it's going to do next. It just does it. It doesn't do it based on a feeling, um, water or a sensation, earth or an idea, air. It just does it. And that's what intuition is. And so you ask me, do I make intentions every damn second?
0: <laughs> wow yes that was it and cuz normally as part of the process i always like to ask whoever i'm interviewing before we start would you like to set an intention is there anything that you would like to you know begin with and some speakers you know just like people are different some speakers well, yeah. really take it to heart and they really love to you know be grounded and focused and and bring a certain No it makes with sense them
1: on the other yeah. hand i would like to my my intention would be not to be limited by whatever my preconceived ideas of what a good intention might be as the process unfolded right <laughs> which and i think with- is really a part of a problem in astrology in general i think we try to over solidify i say we i mean every astrologer out there except for you and me um but I but I think we try to over um over contextualize, over-predict, over-solidify. Um, with that with that whole need of concrete is better than um than uncertainty, which I'm not sure it is. I think that oftentimes the most brilliant choices we make are in moments of uncertainty. I think also sometimes the most important things that come to us um come to us without our our awareness that they're on the way and again i'm not saying that there's no reason to you know to use maps when appropriate to get to where you're going um but i've done away with a bucket list because i've realized over the last handful of years that the coolest in my life is stuff that i didn't know about until it happened and and that even I, I remember thinking this years ago. I, I taught in in Oslo, um, Norway for you know for a couple of weeks, and I, I was thinking at that point in time that if someone said, "Give me a list of uh, ten cities that you want to see before you die," or fifty cities. Oslo wouldn't have never been on him. Just my, my own thing would not never thought about it. And yet it was one of the coolest places I've ever been. So I think often we limit ourselves, um, by, by creating expectations, by, by, by stating intentions. And again, I'm not saying that there's never a reason to do that. I know that was a double negative.
0: No, that's amazing. And I was thinking about, because you and I have uh, known each other for years, uh, and you've talked a little bit, you like to talk about your Aries energy, but you've got some very strong cancer energy as well. And so you're getting that intuition from from both places, right? From that more emotional side, but then also from the spark. And the spark, I mean, yeah, it's a high, isn't it?
1: but 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 people forget um one of the things about cancer is that people sometimes forget that cancers never let go you know uh you know and it certainly can be of some negative emotion in the past i'm not saying that it's you know always a positive thing but when there is a sense of loyalty when there is a um a, a sense of um in, in integrity of life purpose or a goal or even an intention today i'm going to blah 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 you know the the crab although it'll get sidetracked here and then there and oh then the tide will change and so they'll lose 10 hours or you know six hours or whatever for the tide to, and then they'll they'll be back and they go and now i'm gonna pick up and do it you know it's it's there's There's a a different form of intention, but it certainly um, is is a, it's often seen as a clinginess, but it's also a being able to hold on to what's important.
0: And so can I ask, how does that work for you? Because... I have a Cancer rising, but then I have a Sag moon, Aquarius sun. And there have been times when my moon and my sun are like, oh, I wish I didn't have that ascendant. I mean, of course, I've grown and I've learned to tap into it. And I've really come to appreciate that all these things, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be me without all these different astrological symbols pointing to what that might be. But yeah, how do you reconcile having so, all this the cancer water moon. And fire? Yeah,
1: well, and for me, it's the Aries Sun conjunct Mars, you know, domicile and exul- exalted in in uh, Aries, and then the Cancer Moon, um, and its domicile in Cancer. They're both really strong. That Cancer Moon just never quite um gives up its internal power over the Ariesness. Um you know what the difference between a Jewish mother and a Rottweiler is? What? The Rottweiler lets go and it dies. <laughs> 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 cancer oh cancer God. moon. So, um sorry mom. Um <laughs> we love you Mrs. Whipplevine. <laughs> yes, but but, Mrs. but 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 the thing is that uh for me I think as a youth I don't I I think that I struggled with my cancer moon because I grew up in a in a household where we did a lot of outdoor camping and fishing and hunting and and you know uh uh, and yet, I also had a deep attraction to music and to reading, studying music, learning instruments, and 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 inside, um, inside stuff and spiritual stuff. Even as a youth, but I think that because culturally, a Sun and Mars and Venus and Mercury and North Node, I should add, um, in in Aries is encouraged to be to be Aries. And the moon in cancer in a man is not necessarily encouraged. I mean, you know, if I want to go play dress up with my dolls, it's not necessarily, at least in my childhood, it was not encouraged. And in fact, I grew up in a household where there wasn't much, maybe any display of emotions. It was, you know all you know fire and and air and earth there was very little uh water that was obvious there was scorpionic water that was you know suppressed or hidden but point being is that i really really uh respect and appreciate my moon if i didn't have a moon in cancer i'd i'd be an asshole. um and i'm not i'm a kind person because that cancer moon Keeps me in a place where I can't help but feel what you're feeling. Um, and so, uh, and the way I make the two of them work, it's a partial square between my sun at 16 Aries and my moon at 16 Cancer. And the way I um, work it out is I have a Gemini rising, <laughs> I tap dance between the two of them always you know and people think oh he's so clever because he can j-. but i'm not i'm uh, you know that's just the external i'm not saying i'm not clever i'm not saying i'm not smart but my cancer my um my gemini rising cuz it's powered by that conflict that polarity makes me seem cleverer and smarter than i am and i'll take it it's a it's an easy way for me to move between those two things
0: and so how perfect with your gemini rising and all you've done online and social media uh and also as a writer now as well i think you were always a personality uh, in and of yourself or
1: in you my know, world if, in my yeah, world
0: so like, <laughs> if, if this was a business class or focused program we would say a brand right especially in today's world we talk about how people are brands online or social media. But putting that aside, because I've known you for such a long time and I've seen the genuineness you bring, but also the consistency that you bring as well in terms of when you were writing every day, you were writing, you were delivering, and now you've got this regular social media presence where you are creating videos regularly and you are making those videos, you are posting them regularly. And so let me ask you, because I'm trying to come up with some new questions that maybe I haven't asked you before, or you haven't talked about as much. Can I ask you, because you're so plugged in online, like I am as well, but what do you think some of the trends are, or what are you noticing that's interesting to you in terms of the online astrological spaces or community or discourse?
1: That, that's a really good question, and it's something I spend a lot of time thinking about, actually. Um, I I would say this, that I remember very distinctly maybe 20 years ago. Eh, can someone actually remember distinctly 20? Yeah, I have a Cancer moon. I remember everything uh, except for people's names. Anyhow, what was your name again? Um <clears throat> Uh, but I I remember that one of the big dialogues, uh, conversations that was happening in the astrological world was a, Oh my God, astrology is dying. How do we get young people into astrology? This was the origin of AYA, the, um, um, uh, the Association of uh, Young Astrologers came out of that period of time where there was this ongoing discussion that the median age at conferences was creeping up from the 30s to the 50s to the 60s to the oh my god all those astrologers are dead you know it's like it was going in that direction and quite frankly there was a lot of um uh, embracing of not just Um, uh, uh, young astrologers, but also a very conscious awareness um, of gender balance and um, in speaking versus attending, because at conferences, you know, 40 years ago, um, you know, 80% of the attendees may have been women, but 80% of the speakers were male. You know, what's wrong with this picture? And um, and 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 obviously other areas of diversity, whether it be uh, uh, um, gender diversity, fluid gender fluidity um, diversity, whether it be racial diversity, all these things were like on the plate. But but no one at that time could have foreseen what the widespread um uh, uh, availability of high quality and yes i know there's awful quality of astrology out there too but but a discerning person can quickly sort between the two of them you know whether you're going to um just read the person who's publishing these you know, 15-second TikTok exposes of someone or something or or some fear-mongering something about some aspect, versus you know, the the real students, the PhDs, the scholars, the practitioners, the and 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 I don't think anyone could have quite predicted the renaissance that would flower before our eyes and no one can take credit for it even though i'm sure that all the things that all of us who do show up and continue to show up as best we can i'm sure that it all feeds it but but it's not about you it's not about me it's not about even the association for young astrologers or any organization that embraced either diversity and or you know young people or excluded people on any level and what what amazes me is that thirty years ago if if someone said, "Do you know so and so a professional astrologer in Toledo, Ohio, or St. Pete, Florida?" or what well, I, I, sure, you know, sure. And now uh, a day a week doesn't go by when I meet or see or read or hear someone online that stops me I go holy crap this person like really knows their stuff and not only that I look at their curricula vita or their um um, Uh, their CV or their bio, that's the word I was looking for. I look at their bio and I see that they've been doing astrology for 40 years. I mean, just because they weren't doing it in our little cozy community of, of the Association for Astrological Network or the American Federation of Astrologers or the International Society for Astrological Research or the National Council for Geocosmic Research or the Organization for Professionals. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But the point here is that I'm going to use a really bad analogy, but it's like it's like a um, cancer node that has been metastasized. You know, except here, I would like to think that we've been metastasized enough that we are we have become to some level ubiquitous enough that there is no way for the combination of the mother church and the father scientist to exorcise this blight against humanity that you and I love and call astrology. So, I mean, I could say a lot of other things, but that's from the global perspective, I think what the internet has done so far and what it will continue to do by fostering the idea of non-local communities that surround or that um, coagulate, that that um, uh, coalesce is the right word, um, for a purpose of actual... Um, searching for the real meaning of the zodiac and how do we use this tool not to predict a sporting event. Some of my good astrologer friends do that, not to make money on the stock market. Other of my astrology friends do that, but to actually engage with people to help them live better lives or to maybe move society or humanity in a direction that is more aligned with our maybe cosmic destiny so that's my long-winded answer to your short concise question that you don't normally ask others
0: well i do love your answers how poetic they become and how they take a journey and take us on a journey certainly um okay so i have a theory and i would love to know your thoughts on this
1: oh i so, agree with it i agree with it
0: yeah yeah. Okay. I love you. I get it. <laughs> I love the wit. You're very quick witted. And that is uh, part of what I love about you. I think a lot of this growth, this boom in terms of how many astrologers and uh, tarot readers and all these people who practice esoteric arts uh, and the very broad umbrella of that, a lot of that I think is symbolized by Neptune and Pisces. And so this Neptune and Pisces. Uh, came about after, of course it makes sense, after Neptune and Aquarius. Neptune and Aquarius was really when um, the internet and especially social media started to become ubiquitous. And I think that you used that word as well, ubiquitous, and it's about how Neptune can represent how something just, you know, blankets. Uh, It's a mood, it's an energy, it's a culture, but we can feel like it becomes so pervasive. Um, And so a lot of what I think is happening right now is sort of that build forward from Neptune and Aquarius with Neptune and Pisces. And then, of course, we are coming up to Neptune and Aries. And so that'll be really interesting to see uh, what that journey is like. Now, what do you think in terms of, do you think astrology is Aquarian? So it's going to be more about Pluto and Aquarius, or uh, do you associate it with Pisces the way I like to? Uh, not to start a big uh, disagreement. I'm not trying to do that, but I would love to know your opinion.
1: Oh, I I I, I could actually... Uh, write a little article with uh, 13 paragraphs, the first one introducing it, which I just did, and then a paragraph on why astrology is obviously um, ruled by or a function of Aries then Taurus, then Gemini, then Cancer, then Leo, Virgo, Libra, all the way around, and culminate, of course, with Pisces, which is where things tend to culminate. I don't, I'm not a fan of one-to-one correspondences. I mean, I think that there is an aspect of Neptune in Aquarius, which is globalizing, or let's say universalizing, if that's a word, um, the ideal consciousness of cosmic interactions. Yeah, it's Aquarian. You know, it puts us in the future. It gives us a technology that seems like, in the words of Arthur C. Clarke, is magic because we don't understand the technology, but we, but we use it. But it's also Piscean but it's also Capricornian in as much as it's, how do we take this imagination and tie it to a calendar and to a methodical documentation of moments in time that are mechanically um, measured so that we can master them. But it's also Sagittarian because it's a good idea. In other words, I can work all the way back and take it from one by one by one. Um, I am intrigued by the fact, however, Two things, first of all, that when Neptune gets to Aries, Saturn's going to be right up his butt or its butt. <laughs> and so will this Saturn be a container for the imagination, the fantasies, the fake news, the dreams, and and pull it all in? Um, or will Neptune just go, there is no Saturn anymore. let's let's go, you know, what's next? I mean, people forget that in my, observation jupiter and neptune are really the same planet uh one's the other one in drag that's all i mean it's it it, it it neptune is simply jupiter that's escaped from dad saturn i mean because because jupiter is expansive you blow up a balloon get right to that point and you blow it too far pop It's gone because it can't go beyond the limitation of Saturn. Once dad's not home or once I move out of home, there's nothing to stop that. And so, yeah, Neptune, a great word for Neptune is its ubiquity. It's it's ubiquitous because it's everywhere because Boyle's law in physics says a gas fills whatever space it has. Doesn't matter whether the space is this big or whether it's the atmosphere. Gas will fill the space given. And that's Neptune's job. Neptune's job is to um, to melt into the greater whole always. So, yeah, astrology is, you know, Neptunian or Neptune and Piscean. But, boy, when Neptune gets to Aries and our dreams start kind of plowing into new territory, we may look back at Aquari- Neptune in Aquarius and um, and and in Pisces and go, look, when we were thinking those things, we had no idea that they would be seeds to explode into a whole new type of astrology that we didn't even imagine or could imagine existed. Don't know.
0: That's so exciting to consider because it isn't just going to be the conjunction. Um, even though they get very close in 2025, I think they don't actually meet until 2026, right at Valentine's Day. And if I remember correctly, will you be my
1: Valentine? Will you be my Valentine
0: anytime, all the time, of course? But they meet at zero of Aries, also. Yes. But they are also part of um, what I've always called the mystical triangle or the triangle of potential, uh, which is uh, that conjunction is going to sextile uranus and sextile pluto while uranus and pluto are trying
1: just moving into that trine un, Please tell un, un, us. no it, it yeah it's it's an unbelievable it's an unbelievably um magical moment uh for for history for humankind um and yet it reminds us that we need to be careful about what we project forward and/or about what we wish, um, because uh, things have a way of never quite being. Um, you know, it's like the guy who dies and says, "I when I come back, I want to be a you know, um, you know, um, a, a, what, what was it? You know, a, a, a stud in North America or a stud or something like that," and ends up being reborn as a stud on a tire in Minnesota, yeah, on a studded tire and the winter we we have to be careful about what we wish for and um but during that period of time uh uranus and pluto which astute observers will recollect that the uranus pluto conjunction of the mid 60s created the archetype the uh, the arc the the artifact <laughs> I'm struggling with words today created the artifact of what we call the 60s and then at their first hard angle to one another, um, that was exact 2012 to 2015, but all through the 2020s, pretty much, um, Uranus and Pluto were square, bringing all those things that came into fruition in the sixties, the, the sex, drugs, rock and roll, the personal freedoms, the, um, ecology, global view, um, the bacchanalia of the energies coming up, the, uh, freedom and the marching against oppression. Uh, and I know I'm just touching on a few things, but it were those same things that never really went away, but they kind of went into latency that in the 2020s, 2012 to 2015, uh, Arab spring and occupy wall street and um and racial unrest uh that had never gone away but all of a sudden it was in our face again and demonstrations on the street and um and gay marriage and uh um and and all of the stress and tensions that those things brought up so it's those two planets the planets of shock surprise relieving un Unaware tension, rele- that's not quite the right, right way to say it, releasing tension that was suppressed or hidden, Uranus. And then Pluto, the transformations that occur when the deepest, darkest things come into awareness. And so those are the things that were stressed back in the mid-60s and in the, 20, in the 20-teens. I think I said 2020s 20s earlier, but I meant the 20-teens. And now, as we approach, and we're already getting waves of it, even right now in in August um, of 2023. Even though Uranus and Pluto, um, as as Pluto backed into Aquarius and Uranus and Taurus, I mean they're they're like eight or nine or you know, degrees apart. Which for outer planets, I mean they're they're going to be like that for years. But at the end of August, we have Mars whizzing through that part of the Zodiac that's picking up on the trine first to Uranus and then the trine to Pluto. In horary astrology, there's this phenomena called the translation of light, where it's more about the moon and it's more about answering a specific question. But it's almost like we have this traveling grand Earth trine as Mars is activating that trine that through, as you said in 26, 27, that Uranus as it's moved into Gemini and Pluto as it's moved back into Aquarius, Gemini air, Aquarius air, that they're going to actually be making their first trine since the conjunction back in the 60s. Now, on the, and 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 as you said, there will be also planets, not only Saturn, but Jupiter is there that, that are making this like a grand, not quite a grand sextile, but it's like you go around the si- circle and it's like sextile, 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 um, meaning like there's interlaced trines and, and um, so from the surface, this looks like really, really cool shit. The problem, though, is that trines aren't necessarily good, they're just good at holding the status quo. You know, and and any astrologer who has paid attention to grand trines in other people's charts know that sometimes that's the absolute most difficult thing to to work with because you can't get traction it's it's like the, the 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 person the 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 woman who's been married to some jerk for 25 years and finally says i'm leaving and she's in a job she hates and she's and she basically picks up everything and moves to another part of the world and within a year she's recreated the exact same depressing life <laughs> because grand grand trines or trines in general hold energy. Now, certainly the stability of this period of time may be much greater than the instability of the 20 teens um, or even the 60s. But what kind of stable, what kind of, you know, are are we looking at a fluid, organic, freedom-based um, stability? Or are we looking at, at a military regime where you have to get a government permit in order to breathe? I don't know. I'm just saying that it looks good on paper. But astrologically, um, I think we are reminded again and again and again that And this is a quote that the origins are not really known. They think it was a computer science professor at Stanford University, whose name I can't remember. But the quote is, in theory, theory and practice are the same. Let me say that again. The quote is, in theory, theory and practice are the same, but in practice, they are not. We'll see but yes it looks like it 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 it, it i it's a. have spent time looking at those charts and watching the faster moving planets you know the uh mars venus mercury sun and moon move in and out and around and the new moon around that time i think there's a new moon in in aquarius i can't can't remember right now i haven't looked at it in a bit but wow yeah we're we're heading somewhere for sure the question is where And will we like being stabilized in that moment or not? Don't know.
0: It is remarkable, isn't it? Because it's like we're coming out of a period where it's water and Earth, and it's been water and Earth for what feels like an extended period of time with uh, Pluto in Earth, with Uranus in Earth, uh, Neptune in water, and we're going into this it feels like this big shift is right around the corner where we're going into a world that is air and fire
1: and and let's remember that energy. water yeah. yeah and no point well taken and let's remember that water and earth are soul this is plato's definition's not mine water and earth are soul and the feminine, you know, uh, energetically, I don't mean gender feminine. I mean, uh, yin, um, whereas fire and air are young, the masculine, uh, and, and the water and earth are descending inward downward, whereas fire and air are ascending upward and outward. And so, um, I think that even the emphasis on the re reequalization, equilibrial—I don't know what that word would be—and the balancing in, in the balancing of, uh, or maybe we should say not the balancing of, of gender stereotype, but maybe we should say the downfall of the patriarchy. Certainly, with all these planets in, fi- um, in, in water and Earth, has become um a, a a a clarion it's become you know like like widespread, and what's going to happen as we shift back into or as we shift into fire um and um and and air um and so again, don't know. I mean one one can look back at cycles and see patterns, and one of the patterns is that every time um Uranus has moved through Gemini, uh, you know, the United States has been in some pretty significant uh, war, whether it's the Civil War or World War II or, you know, does that mean that? No. <laughs> but these are these are patterns to at least pay attention to so that when we're walking down the street, we don't fall into the same damn pothole. Just because it's there, we can hopefully develop enough um, you know, vision that we know it's there and we can walk around it. Why else do we do this crazy thing that we do?
0: And with uh, Neptune, especially Neptune in Aries, chances are war is going to be a very different thing than what we knew before. Um, it, it just feels as if, if there were, it seems a part of human beings, right? We do tend to get into conflicts for various reasons, various motivations.
1: No, Uh, we don't. You want to fight about it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But how we go about fighting is likely to go through uh, a very dramatic shift in terms of we do it uh, in a way that is much more glamorous or much more masked or much more under the surface less blatant with uh with neptune there that's some of my uh initial thoughts on that yeah would you agree
1: yeah well i mean look the whole the whole nature of uh of what we're fighting for we used to fight for natural resources we used to fight because you owned this land that has gold or copper or diamonds or titanium or cobalt or whatever, then we still have some of those wars going on. Look, let's face it, we've never been at a time where the United States has not been at war. Um, Can't say the same for Canada, but I can say that for the United States. Um, But the purpose of war is no longer to own the natural resources of the land, that the global shift and I remember hear, hearing Jim Lewis, uh, the guy who um, patented, who copyrighted, I guess, um, astrocartography, uh, locational astrology, um, gave a lecture um, just a year or so before, maybe less than a year before he died, on the larger cycles of, um, uh, let's see, it was in the early 90s, so it was larger cycles of Uranus and Neptune, and how once every four, once every four cycles, that Saturn was in the equation as a conjunction and that those represented incredible major shifts from Rome being the power center to London being the power center on earth to Washington DC and now we're basically moving he claimed the power center was going to be somewhere in South America now uh the concept that he created was i think brilliant but i and i and, and that night uh, a bunch of us went out to dinner and I said, I, I, I think that this is really an amazing concept, but I think that it's even a larger shift than you're addressing now. Um, and that is, I don't think the new power center is going to be in South America or in any place in the three-dimensional world. The new power center is going to be the, the um, overtaking of physical reality by metaphysical reality. And so in other words, I think the wars that we are fighting already now, I, granted, we have guns and bombs and planes and drones going on in multiple places in the world, some more obvious than others. I say we, I mean, um, the country from whence I I come. Um, but Um, But the fact of the matter is that the real war that's going on is an information war. It's a war about about which of the two realities um, do you um, uh, ascribe to, because there are right now you could put two people in front of the exact same event and they will describe a completely different contextual uh, um, uh, fabric of circumstances that then enable them to interpret that. In absolutely dynamically extreme polar opposites. And that's the war that has already begun. And that's the war um, that I think will be coming into um, a heightened state of fruition um, as we move uh, in this shift from fire, earth, uh, from water, earth into fire, air.
0: Well, the great Rick Levine, the one and only Rick Levine. And remember, everybody, Rick is going to be at the Canadian Astrology Conference uh, very soon, in about three and and a half, four weeks' time. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, and, and I want to just say that at that conference... Um, I've been asked to give the, uh, the, the keynote address on Saturday evening and I'm going to be, because the theme of the conference is really about earth centered astrology or about bringing things, you know, you know, into, into the realm of, of, of earth. Um, and, um, my keynote talk is going to be, um, uh, entitled soulful astrology again, based upon the platonic concept that. Spirit ascends to the heaven, which astrology does on the surface, but soul descends into the body, and um, and and in fact, uh, Blake Blake wrote that um, in the Marriage of Heaven and Hell. He wrote, "Body is a portion of soul that's discerned by the five senses," and so what I'm going to talk about as is, is 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 as we as as uh, humanity is is addressing this this body uh soul um you know uh spirit dichotomy um and and we've been kind of run for a couple of thousand years by the the left-handed right um i'm sorry the left-brained right-handed masculine energy that as we're moving into a, um, more of a, uh, embracing gender fluidity and, and we're, we're, we're given the responsibility of transforming astrology as this thing that's reaching towards the heavens into this thing that's pulling the heavens into our into our lives into our being and so i'm excited about giving this talk and then at the conference end i'm doing a workshop again based upon this practical down to earth thing that's going to be pretty much a you know uh, a three hour dive into improving chart consultations reading charts it's not a how to read charts but it's basically again addressing the 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 dance um, between learning more and new astrological techniques on one hand, and then actually applying them um, when we're looking at someone's charts, the question is how many techniques can we bring in? The question isn't how many techniques can we bring into a consultation session, but it's how do we become impactful and effective in in what we do. And I'll also be doing some charts of people live as examples to demonstrate some of these concepts. So as long as we're pre-conference, I didn't want to lose the opportunity to just share a little bit Um, of what i'll be doing there and i understand also that the workshop that's on sunday afternoon uh, for those people who may have to work on saturday or can't attend the conference you can still actually come to the workshop itself as a standalone event on sunday afternoon so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing you there and and the other amazing teachers some of my you know favorite teachers are going to be there and i think the last time i saw Gashida was in Oh, no, I saw her at Isar, but the time before that um, was in Istanbul where I met her and was have been enamored with, with her Earth-centered, um, you know, um, First Nation kind of orientation um, to uh, the larger cosmic things that we modern Western astrologers sometimes think we have the corner on, but we really don't.
0: I'm so glad you uh, gave us more information about what it is that you're bringing to the conference. And for everybody out there, of course, Calgary is where the party is, but There's also a party online as well. So you can join us online for Rick's uh, workshop uh, and for his keynote, I believe, as well. But if you only want to come to the dinner, that's great. If you only want to come to uh, Rick's workshop, that's great too. If you can join us all weekend, that's amazing as well. Uh, Regardless, you would be very, very welcome. Uh, Gosh, Rick, I always love talking to you. The time goes so fast. Well, we'll uh,
1: we'll have time in a few weeks to hang out and talk nose to nose
0: absolutely we're going to talk and have fun uh, a, a crazy fun as only astrologers gathered together can have because it does tend to be a party when uh astrologers are together so
1: well and there's something about the that. and there's something about that community of being being with an extended family who speaks the same language that you speak you know it's it, it's it's a, it's a very important thing
0: yeah. And it's a community of uh, of misfits. Right. Right. We're kind of I, I mean, I think, to I, be think I don't think we're
1: misfits. I think I don't think we're misfits. We just don't want to fit into the thing that everyone else wants to fit into. We want to fit into our own thing. But it doesn't mean we're misfit. It means we're a fit in a higher order. Oh, I
0: love that. I absolutely love that way of understanding myself. I am not a misfit. I am fitting into a higher order. That is going to be my mantra going forward from here. Rick, I love you. Thank you so much.
1: Always nice to see you. Thank you for hosting this.
0: And thank you, everybody out there for watching. Until we connect again, take care. Bye.